Hey, it's Brian. Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Um, on this episode, I had, I think Benny was with me on this one, but we had volleyball. Um, my buddy Kevin Rice, I've said this before on the podcast, um, Kevin was the one who introduced me to the DIY scene. Um, I met him at Bloodfest, and the rest is history. Um, we've had a lot of good times together, um, and many more once this fucking quarantine is over. But anyways, volleyball... Um, is a sweet band they are in the process of getting their full-length debut pretty sure it's their first full-length um they've done a couple eps i know that but they recorded their full length with austin stawozik from uh eureka records in down river area michigan um austin friend of the podcast has been on before um and i've heard a couple samples of the volleyball record and um humble flex but it's sweet dude it's sweet you're definitely going to want to check that out um follow volleyball on social media and you know in addition to their music being cool they're just really cool people um very inclusive and yet they basically they can they strike this balance of like being super nice and super inclusive but also like knowing exactly how to have like a great time they are that band that they're like Instagram is full of them drinking when they're on tour, and yet they still are not, you know. Basically, like, I feel like there's this stereotype that people who are, like, woke or, like, into social justice and things like that, that they got to stick up their ass and that they're not, they're no fun to be around or whatever. But volleyball is the complete opposite of that. Like, they are woke as shit, you know, on, like, all the social causes and all that, but... They also know how to have a great time and make sure that other people are having a good time, which is one of my favorite qualities and people in general. Um, so yeah, Kevin, if you're listening to this, I hope I brought a tear to your eye and the rest of volleyball too. Like they've stayed. I remember I had volleyball stay over my house when I was in a two bedroom apartment and they were on tour. <laughs> I don't think my uh, girlfriend at the time was very happy with me that I made that executive decision to allow that, but it was a good time. Um, and now Kevin owes me something. I'm still going to figure out what that is, but he owes me. It's all good. Um, anyways, I uh, if you want to support the podcast, you know you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. You can also follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a five-star rating. All that shit helps. Um, or just tell a friend about the podcast. Share it on social media, you know. Um, anything really helps, you know. And all, if all you do, if you're shy, all you want to do is listen, I dude, great. That's awesome. I've gotten some messages, too, some DMs from some listeners um, that make my fucking day, dude. So if you ever, like, feel like you want to reach out and say hi or just let us know that you enjoy the podcast or let us know that the podcast has helped you through some shit or whatever. Um, I can't believe it, but I have gotten those types of messages and it, like I said, it makes my day. Um, I, it feels so good to hear that type of stuff and to feel like the things that we're doing here are impactful, even in a small way. Um, and this podcast, if this is your first time listening, like the goal of this is just to create a platform for smaller bands, you know, or like the people who don't normally get recognition in music, like the venue operators or, you know, photographers or, you know, people outside the spotlight a little bit, you know, while still talking to the bands. And when it comes to the bands, I want 
people to see their actual personalities, not their social media personas or not their formal interview personas. You know, I want to shine the light on who these people actually are. Um, so that's the goal of the podcast. And we don't say no to bands, you know, schedules permitting. We There's no such thing as a band that's too small to be on the show. Um, we, like I said, I, I want to make this a platform and grow this into a platform where any band can come on the show, talk about what they're about, and maybe get some new fans. Um, so that's kind of the goal, the pipe dream anyways. Um, but I think I've rambled enough. I'm going to get into the episode. There is about 20 minutes in or so, there is a, um, we had an issue with Discord where like two or three minutes of the conversation got cut out, but um, we get back into it and then it's, trust me, it's not a big deal. Um, the episode is still good. So anyways, thanks for listening to me ramble and enjoy the actual good part of the episode right now. Shit. Oh, that's no. How, that's how we do oh, it. Oh, no. Just like that, dude. Like Recording. That. Yeah, yeah. Ominous. I've, uh, I've really tried to embrace, like, you're talking about, like, having like, a really solid headset. Like, I, at the beginning of quarantine, it's funny to see, like, how my audio quality has, like, just gone to shit. Because, like, I would actually have my normal podcast set up with, like, my nice mics. And I would, like, use my actual laptop and and like take it super seriously and now like i literally lay in bed with just airpods and just use that literally me right now yeah (laughs) this is this is the podcaster in the gamers economy this is the world they were meant for y'all motherfuckers y'all motherfuckers with all that money i had to go borrow someone's ipod fucking headphones and kevin's hitting a bong right now am i right yeah or is that just a drop is that a drop or is you actually hitting a bong? <laughs> that that was a dab. So I apologize. Oh, okay. I don't give a shit. I just think it'd be great <laughs> if you had if you had like a like a drug themed soundboard on your end. I would just think that would be really great. <laughs> that would be really funny and and not terribly off brand for me. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm just disappointed that you figured out what the volleyball album's about to be. Yeah. Oh, just a bunch of like it's... every so- song just starts with like a drop of like fucking water rolling in a bong. See, that's cute. You thought that we had songs. It's, it's just us doing drugs. Yeah. That's even funnier that you thought all of that just because the actual album is just each track is the name of a drug. And then what the track actually is, is it's just taking that drug and throwing it at the wall to see what sound it makes. <laughs> just bag of shrooms. Wow. You know, when I talk, we talked to Austin Stowozik, uh like about a month ago on here and mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit about like the volleyball record and based on like what we talked about with him, like based on the way he kind of sounded, that makes a lot of sense now. Like hearing <laughs> that the it's not really going to be music and Austin seemed to kind of have that opinion also. Yeah. It was just going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we mean, don't make music. Yeah, the recording for the two days was just us setting up mics in different placements and then throwing drugs at the wall and seeing what sounds like. <laughs> like that's literally all it was. And then we're going to use a MIDI controller to change the pitch of it. You know what I mean? It'll be cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with that. So I, in, in order to get into uh, the actual questions, I'll say that, Kevin, you were on the podcast, like, episode four, dude. Yep. And this is this will probably be in the 90s, just so you know. You've done um, good work, my friend. You've done good work. Hey, dude. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> I've listened through quite a lot yep. of them, dude. Like, you've had some fucking sick people on. 
Yeah, it's it's been fun. Like I, I I said very early on that like I don't listen to the episodes. Like, but when it gets to like a certain point, like maybe a year down the road, I'll start going back and listening because it's like I need to have enough time between me and the episodes to actually forget what the hell I talked about because it's like if I listen to them a week later, or like right when they release, I already remember everything that we talked about. So it's like not entertaining for me. But you, now you should I'm just do what back. we do, man. Get blackout drunk and you won't remember it. You can just listen to it the next day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I do remember uh, just because like you and I have talked a bunch. Like we were we're friends like outside of the podcasting thing. Wait, like, we I, are no kidding. Oh shit, dude! <laughs> this a bunch is of news news to me, <laughs> God damn it! I paid for Kevin's uh, meal at Fleetwood at like two in the morning one day, so I think that. That, Jesus. I officially bought your friendship that day. I was it's hoping true. you were about to say that you uh you paid his bail. No. <laughs> but, you know. That's 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 good too, I guess. No, but um but I remember talking about uh the first volleyball record and how you wrote basically spent about five minutes each on each song or something like that. It was just like the volleyball lore dictates that, you know, the first record was just like written in like half an hour or like an hour or something like that. And then, yeah, I'm just curious, like, it, did you take more time with this one or was that, is that kind of like the thing for volleyball or like, what was the process of writing this one? Okay. So the first record was recorded, um, at, is that on my end or your end? I hear so many birds. It's so nice. Um, uh, yeah, that's it might be that's probably my end. I'm uh, oh, cool. I'm uh, I'm outside right now. I am. Too. I'm on a I'm on a balcony right now. Like, sorry. Um. So the first record uh, was restored was written by me in terms of like the songs themselves, like words, chord progressions, that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. They were written within like an hour and a half. I just went on like a stone skateboard ride and then um, wrote those. And like uh, thirty minutes after I finished the original lineup of this band showed up for like the first jam session and we learned those songs and those songs lived on and then when this lineup got together we kind of rewrote them a little bit like some transitions some changes in the grooves you know and uh, yeah. what's really funny is we recorded the ep and then went on to do a lot of touring and playing shows and through playing the shows and stuff we kind of truly discovered what volleyball sound was in terms of like what all three of us as a collective and a collaborative really not only enjoy to do but also what are our strengths and what we can play yeah. into so like my vocal style is very different from anything that was on the record you know kevin has written much more interesting parts than what we have on the record just because as time went on we were playing the same songs you know yeah um, joseph puts in a lot of fun little like grooves or like just little details that aren't on the record when we play live and so this record um you know the way that we work best is by throwing a deadline out there somewhere we have to have the pressure of like an end like a finish line you know um, yeah so i threw out our uh our, our recording dates which were in february and I, we booked those with austin back in like i think it was like november um and the process of it was more uh, like sitting down at home maybe fuck around with a little lick maybe fleshing out some bit of um a form to a song or whatever but then showing up uh, i was visiting probably at least once a month down in nashville and um you like going over the licks showing them what i had you know kevin would bring in riffs and licks uh and just kind of like fleshing the songs out together structurally and um it, we that it was a, kind of a slow process especially in the beginning like we you know would pretty much like every time i'd visit we get like kind of one song figured out maybe um 
but near the end everything just kind of fell together more where we all really liked it we scrapped there were songs that got scrapped where we like we'd start to it we'd have a full form we'd jam it through and be like how do we feel about this and we'd be like uh not so much and so we scrapped it wrote other songs and by the time we were done we had eight songs that i were we were very happy with um a lot of what happens vocally in terms of the writing of lyrics and things actually happens far after the um the writing of the music i'm one yeah. of those people who kind of yeah. have this belief in writing from inspiration not desperation so i yeah, would dude. wait i would wait until i would feel like until there's something emotionally was happening to me or like i used to drive trucks for work so driving down the road just thinking to myself all of a sudden some lyrics might start rolling and usually in those moments i know that i need to start writing it down because sometimes the whole song will write itself in five minutes lyrically based off of one small idea but it's like yeah i have to wait for it to come itself but everything is kind of finished the guys don't really necessarily know what all the lyrics sound like over everything just because um because we're not fully finished with the record either we're about halfway yeah. done right now i'm actually going back to finish guitars and vocals with austin uh next week um and i'm super excited to do that but the though i i have this thing where like when we practice i don't usually sing during practice uh when we were fleshing out these songs i didn't sing you know i might have a chorus or something i might scream right. along with but the whole reason for that too is because volleyball has become a much more emotional thing for us now too it used to be like a stoner punk thing and it was really fun and now it's still fun and we still want to take the essence of being stoners and being punk and that kind of idea but now it's more serious we're talking about things that are a little more heavy uh, topically emotionally it's more heavy and for me like i don't want to get to a point where singing those songs feels like muscle memory or feels you know over rehearsed. i get like, that every single time we sing and we do it like we usually don't even practice before shows anymore just because especially on a lot of the old songs the muscle memory's there it well that's right that's back. also more uh more out of uh we don't really have a choice anymore because uh living in two different states as a band we uh we roll up and we we, we rip the gig these days because uh we can't practice yeah right and that that is right. true it's not uncommon for me to like We'll have a show in Nashville, and I'll get there like an hour or two. I'll do the eight-hour drive and get there an hour or two before the show. And it's like, all right, let's go rip a gig, right? And so, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the whole. So the process of this one, though. To sorry, I gave you a long answer. Short that's answer. Fine. It was a lot slower process. It was definitely more of a collective process. It wasn't as much me writing the songs as it was us jamming out forms and fleshing out riffs, and then coming to something that as a collective me joe and kevin all found so like that we really liked and it's been cool too because like kevin and joseph both and from my perspective seem like they enjoy these songs a lot more and connect with them in a bigger way because we all had a very big part in the process yeah okay yeah yeah i mean i think it, it being such a collaborative effort like that it, it automatically is just gonna have you know sort of more meaning to everybody mm -hmm. and then at the same time like it was actually like you know a fairly like difficult process trying to to write a record from two different states um and not really being able to you know have as much communication because you know we were all you know working working our jobs and doing our lives in different states so Right. Being able to like actually accomplish that and uh, finally come up with something uh, that we were proud of was actually like really rewarding and kind of cool because there was like a moment where, you know, at least I know 
like we were getting a little nervous. We were like, I mean, can't we meet this deadline? Like, cause you know, we're having to do a lot of back and forth. Like, you know, it's, it's slow going, like, can we meet it? And, but you know, eventually we ended up with, with some songs that we, we really enjoy. Yeah. And also I think, uh, uh, an important point to make is how great of a producer as well as an engineer Austin is. Oh, oh 100%. He's, he's fantastic. But yeah, uh, working with Austin, uh, he like there were some ideas that he fleshed out with us a little more. We, it was crazy. We did uh, 30 hours of recording in two days, um, and that was all the drums and all the bass got done in those two days, and then all of the like layer rhythm guitar tracks got done and about half of the vocals, and then we did all of that in two days. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and it was, it was crazy, but he was able to just – not only was he a workhorse with us, like – the first day, I think our session was like 14 hours long. Or no, that one was 16, and the second one was 14. Um, and he like workhorsed the whole way through it and like was just go, go, go. We didn't really take much of a break. And he like we, he'd hear something and he'd stop us and he'd talk to us. He'd be like, what if we did something a little bit more along these lines? What if he created this more bouncy feel? What if, Joseph, come off the ride a little bit, let the snare and the, the kick like stick out a little more, you know? And I think that, like, now listening back to the mixes that I have from him and hearing those sections, I'm like, wow, what Austin, Austin's input here really did make this song. It would have been, a, it would have been fine the way it was before, but the, he added more detail that made it that much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It, it was really cool, too, because, like, as because he, he's a fantastic musician and, like, bassist and stuff. Um, and I'm not a, a bassist by trade. It's not my main instrument. So he actually helped me out a lot and like gave me a lot of really cool ideas. And at some points even just like forced me to get like the best take. He'd be like, okay, I need you to do this and I need you to downstroke it the whole way and it's going to suck. But like you need to, you need to do that because it's going to sound better. And so it was really cool having that kind of input and in somebody that, you know, is, is, better than you kind of giving <laughs> you those ideas yeah <laughs> no that's but, cool though i'm excited to hear uh so is it a, is this a full length yep uh it's eight songs and then two of the songs uh we had done on a split before but we recorded those ourselves didn't really get great quality on the recordings but they're songs that we really loved and that we felt belonged on this record in terms of like th this record i believe will be more the essence of what volleyball is now, like what we have yeah. grown into. Because before it was us three guys getting fucked up and playing songs. Now we still get fucked up and play songs, just with more emotion. Right, right, right. So That's sweet. Um, I'm excited yeah. to hear it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited for you to... I'm excited to just finish it. I just want to fucking finish it, dude. Because like when this quarantine stuff all went to shit, like we had the last two dates were scheduled for the end of March, and then everything went to shit. And so, uh, yeah, it, we, I literally just, he only, uh, Austin hit me up like probably two weeks ago and was like, Hey, we're opening things back up for June. If you want to schedule some days in there. So we're doing one day in June with me. And then we're going to have another day with, uh, Clay is going to be coming up from Tennessee and doing, um, like he does a lot of the scream vocals on like, you can hear him on like the split and stuff. Um, and he, okay. play, he, he writes a lot of really cool guitar parts too. So he's going to come up and I'm going to get some homies and to do some gang vocals on that day too. And then oh, let me know. Cause I'm, I've lived, I live like 15 minutes from the studio. So if you need, yeah, hello. Yeah. Y'all are already <laughs> on the plans. Trust me. I got, I have a list of people. Trust me. And I'll, I'll be hitting y'all up. I swear. I just, we have to figure out that date first. We haven't figured out yeah. the date yet. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'm excited to get it finished and hopefully 
tentatively, very tentatively, we'll try to do a release for it in like October. Sick. Have, has like the the idea of like the uncertainty of like when shows are going to be coming back has that playing into like your idea of a potential release or do you just want to get it out there regardless uh, of like the, the climate you know yeah yeah I uh I, that definitely has played a big part um we were planning originally to release it in July um and I'm we're trying to do a two week release run with it yeah. Um, and that's a big deal to me too, just to actually have the release run because we haven't been on tour. What was it? October of last year, guys. Wasn't that the last um, time we went out? Yeah, I think so. We've done yeah. a couple like one-offs since then, but yeah, I think the last time we actually went on tour was like October, November. Yeah. And that's a major slowdown for us. Cause we usually tour every other month. And, uh, so this, yeah, is- I mean, we did what, like a hundred shows last year or still in like a year. We did we did six, I, we did the math one time. It was sixty days on the roads from our yeah. from our first tour to like one year mark. It was like sixty days. That's awesome, oh, shit. Uh, I mean, we that was back when we all lived in the same place, and it was easier to kind of bring those things together because none of us are in school and all of us work, and we're already poor. So fuck it, just go be poor and on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes honestly makes it kind of easier. You know, I find that like the more. I, I mean, I'm fine and there's ways to do it like with like a big boy job or whatever. But at first it was like, it's easy to get comfortable. Like if you're making more money and you're like, you're more comfortable it, with, with your gig, it's like the idea of like go, going on the road and like making less money, it seems less doable because, because you're in your mind, you get used to like the the comforts i guess but yeah so that's been something that i've gotten over for sure because it's like i see how much fun it looks to be on the road and it's like how necessary it is to be hitting the road as much as possible if you're really trying to make something um but yeah it, it, it's it's kind of i don't want to say i'm jealous because that sounds stupid to be like hey, jealous of like of people who like are poor you know what i mean that sounds like really stupid yeah. and like out of touch but like it, there is there's definitely pros to it in terms of like freedom in the and you know your freedom to yeah. go do what you yeah. want to do with music yeah there's uh definitely something to be said to that though too and actually joseph uh can make a good point on that just because joseph has like um he joseph got more of a big boy job uh if you want joseph if you want to talk about that a little bit but just he has a lot yeah. of vacation time which is very different from me and kevin's situation oh okay yeah, it's a it's a little bit tricky with with what I'm doing and trying to make all that work because I I do only have a lot of vacation time and um, I can't always just take off random days just because I, I want to, which is the big difference between when we first started when I was doing contract work to now. So um, we still haven't gotten to really see how well everything's going to work out with me working the big boy job and us not being in quarantine and trying to play as many days as we could i was i was gonna be pushing the limit this year with what i could do um but then all the shows got canceled so yeah and uh back back like when we were hitting it hard uh you know kevin has usually worked like two part-time jobs i also when i was in nashville i was working two part-time jobs and you know we'd still be hitting like 40 hour 40 plus hours a week doing those two jobs having the two part-time jobs though does is what gives you the freedom to tour more because with part-time jobs you usually usually 
not stuck in a situation where you have very allotted vacation time. You know, you can usually work it out with managers and it's usually not super difficult to get yeah, right. out. But it also does involve being very a lot poorer just because, you know, those entry level part time jobs don't pay well. And I mean, it was it's for me, it's always been like literally work up until the day you leave and you're back at work the day you get back. Like I, yeah, shit, I, mean, I remember We've done overnight drives back from Michigan to Nashville because, like, I had to work like a, a six a.m. shift because I work at coffee shop. So we'd be like, "All right, we're finishing a gig on Sunday, like Sunday night. I have to be at work at six thirty a.m. Monday morning. So we got to make that overnight drive back. Um, so it's like stuff like that that makes it, you know, yeah, a little bit and, more difficult. Yeah." It's, it kind of just seems like par for the course yeah. in this sort of lifestyle. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. It's like, just like you, you go do the thing and then you go back to work. Yeah. And you got to have a passion for it. You know, and if you're willing to live that kind of crazy life where you literally like sometimes have zero days off between touring and, you know, going right back to work, like you have to love it. I feel like, oh, yeah, 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 dude, we, we all have said it to each other a million times, like touring. And, and this sounds like super cliche to like say it this way, but once you do it, you realize like touring is the, like, it's the most alive. I can personally say that I have ever felt like you wake up at like nine or 10 o'clock in some random homies house in somewhere in the U S and you would be like, hey, thanks for the show last night. It was fucking dope. And then you get in the car and get some lunch and get some shitty pilot coffee, which Kevin really loves for some reason. And then <laughs> you go like five hours in some direction to the next town and you show up, you find out where you're going, you grab a couple beers, you play a show, you meet a bunch of wonderful people and get to hang out with really cool people and hear great bands. And then you fall asleep and do it all over again. And that's your job. And that's the thing to remember. It is a job. It requires organization. But at the oh, same yeah. time, it's like the experiences from tour, like our the Joe, Joseph and Kevin are literally my best friends. And part of that is because we've had, you know, 10 days in a row where we're with each other 24 seven doing that on repeat. And like, we've seen each other at the highest highs and the lowest lows. Joseph has driven while I puked on the way to Atlanta before in the passenger seat. <laughs> like he actually, yeah. Uh, he actually didn't just puke. Uh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I lost the dog. Hold on one second, guys. My okay, uh, dog just dipped out. Okay, well, we'll talk to you in a second if you get back here real quick. I was just, yeah. just kind of had the thought, like, when you're spending that much time with, like, your bandmates and stuff, I, it was just a really random thought, but, like, it becomes kind of like... Somewhat of a, a kind of romantic aspect yeah. to it as well yeah, with the I whole, was, like... It kind of fits into some of the stereotypes of like looking at literature and like looking at the idea of like the kind of like wandering bard and those kinds of stereotypes. It yeah. kind of it, it fits into this kind of innate thing that I think is is built. In. So apologies. Um, we recorded this over Discord, and I noticed right around this point that it, it had stopped recording in Discord, and so we lost about two or three minutes of the conversation. So that's why you're hearing my voice again exclusively. Um, but I edited it, so we're going to jump right back into the conversation just a couple minutes ahead. So sorry about that. Um, but I figured I would take this time to just remind people that if you want to support the podcast, you can you know, follow us on Spotify, rate us on iTunes, give us a review on iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. Um, Google Play, same thing. Um, you know, show a friend 
share the podcast on social media or whatever. All of it is appreciated. And if you want to join our Patreon, we're going to start doing some bonus content, um, you know, stuff that only Patreon members can can see. I think it'll be pretty, some pretty cool like bonus stuff, um, both with guests and without guests, some, sometimes extra performances, things like that. And um, you can pay whatever you want, even if it's just like a buck a month or something like that. It, it would help keep the podcast online and, you know, you get some cool stuff too. So um, patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. Um, otherwise, here's the rest of the episode. And we're just an involved work. Recording again? Sorry, I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Um but I think that, uh, you know, what, what doing the touring thing that does kind of put your life on hold a little bit, it's hard to like make big commitments and we're a band that's just like involved in the scene. We're not necessarily popular through the scene. Um, so people who know us know us because we book shows and we help out friends and we try to be as present and helpful and, and really like lift up the community that we want to be a part of. Um, yeah. And, you know, so Clay, actually, he's not able to come on tour with us anymore, uh, but he, he's still like, he's on the records. He um, plays local shows with us in Nashville. But so that kind of boyfriend, girlfriend thing, uh, I think there's yeah. definitely some effect there. You know, when I was, uh, Katie and I, uh, that was one thing that would be rough too, is, you know, I'd leave for 10 days and she'd be like, and every, in reality, the tour would be 10 days, but I'd be gone for 14 because I'd have to drive down to Nashville and drive back and whatever else was going on. And uh, yeah, that was definitely like, uh, it definitely puts some stresses and I don't think it really comes across as much of like a, a jealousy thing. Sure. There might be some jealousy of like, you're out here having a blast and I can't do that, you know? But uh, also I have seen bands who like tour and there's some significant others will be there with them. And, uh, and you know, it seems cool. Like people seem to really enjoy just having their, their person there with them. And for bands that are able to do that, that that's awesome. You know? Right. Yeah, just the interesting thought. Like, I haven't really had to deal with much of that yet. Like, my, uh, it's funny because, like, my girlfriend, we've only been together for a few months and, like, she's about to be leaving uh, for a summer job. She's going to be gone for, like, two months. And, you know, we were talking so much about, like, oh, are we going to be able to date long distance? I'm like, well, honestly, if it's less, it's honestly less than two months. And if all goes well, like, with my chosen career path, this is going to be a regular thing. You know, like we're a best case scenario. I'm going to be gone for a month at a time, like perhaps multiple times a year, you know, like, yeah. so it's, it's just one of those things that like, you can't take for granted. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. you, have to, that, you have to account for it with relationships. And that's the shit they don't teach you in school either, man. They don't teach you taxes and they don't teach you how to manage a relationship in the real adult world. Nope. <laughs> wow, I get back and, and Kev's just up on his soapbox about what they don't teach you in school. <laughs> While I was gone. This isn't the first time last time I was on, me and uh me and Brian tried to tear apart uh the college system. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I'm so glad you said that because I was having the same thought. I was like, oh wait, didn't we try to fix America last time too? Yeah, I just got a real issue with education, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was education. I think it was education too. <laughs> I prefer to be uh, uninformed shit. and ignorant, you know, man. This is the last episode I recorded uh, was with the band. We like rebranded the podcast four times during the episode. Like it was a bowling pot. So it's just funny that like that's just one more uh, 
one more rebrand of invite the neighbors is like an educational reform podcast. Yeah. I love how you do this shit without me. Hey, Benny. I, you know what? There's so many episodes I do without Benny that I don't, I just don't even tell Benny about like, no, I'm just joking. That was Fucking one. It was with, dick. Is it, it was with Todd yeah, Brian got, Brian got on me the other day actually, because I got my car got totaled and Brian's first response was, how is this going to affect the podcast? Though? <laughs> okay, man. But like the business, like how do we keep it running? So, yeah. <laughs> also real quick, Benny, I, we, I haven't heard much from you yet. I wanted to say, I'm so sad that I, I'm sitting on the porch of the greenhouse right now. And I'm so sad that we weren't able to have your show here. Dude, all the, with all this shit going on right now with like the pandemic is completely understandable. Oh I'm yeah. Fucking, yeah. I'm just fucking bummed because it's like, I was so looking forward to that. And I was so looking forward to playing Kalamazoo too, because it's like, I've just heard so much good shit about like all the venues and like the scene out there and shit like that. I was really pumped to play. I'm really bummed. We weren't able. Was that, was that going to be the same show that I was playing? Like, no, no, no. Was... Benny's was in, I believe it was May. Was it Benny? It was May second. It was supposed oh. to be. Oh, and then I know okay. you had yours. It was at the end of March. I believe, end correct? of March. Yeah, it was like March twenty sixth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Neither neither of your shows got to happen here. And I know. I, dude. I was so excited to get y'all out here to kind of see what the scene looks like because, and I love telling people about the Kalamazoo scene. It's weird in the fact that like it's in Michigan, right? But there is a disconnect between like the East Michigan scene, where like you know Ann Arbor, Detroit, Lansing, all that, and uh, and. Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids is a yeah. little more connected to the East Side scene, but Kalamazoo, it's kind. Of, so all the ven, like it's like eleven house venues that are within like four by eight city blocks, in, in this place called the Vine District, and it's like okay. it's where the shows have always been happening. They've been happening here for twenty years, um, and houses come and go. And um, the cool thing is the people who come out to the shows in there, uh, they they live in the neighborhood, so. No one drives to shows. Everybody walks. And, you know, you just suddenly you'll have 50 to 100 people in your house. And everybody kind of knows everybody. And there's a huge, um, a very big push about, like, the artistry and stuff of it. They're, they don't, you don't take cover charges here in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Like, it's donations. But at the same time, I've never been in a situation where a band was not well paid here. Because everybody here is like... Without the bands, DIY doesn't exist. You fucking pay them. We take care of them. My roommate Tucker, I, one night he was really drunk and got on the mic and said, if you got money for beer, you got money for the bands. And he walked around with the donation tin. Like, <laughs> you know, but but everybody really, like, there's a real art community here that really respects and understands, like, what DIY is. And, and the people in the scene here might not really be into, like, the big DIY bands or, you know, bands that are necessarily from all over the place. They'll be into the bands that come through and tour through here and they'll like find a band they like, or they love a lot of the bands from this local scene. Um, and I don't know, there's just a lot of support here. And I really, really hope that uh, all this shit gets over so we can get back to booking shows at some point in a very safe way. Yeah. Yeah. Me and me and Brian will come out and play a show together. We'll get Greta Van Fleet headline and it'll be sick. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Greta, we'll get Greta Van Fleet and a Florida Georgia line and it'll be a co-headliner and me and Brian will open. Oh, oh shit! We'll have to have on the porch. Yeah, gotta pull sure. the faster horses crowd. Since Make sure you get trapped as well. Trapped? Fuck yeah! Oh, yeah. Mike from Summer Bruce. Mike from Summer Dude. If you get like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be playing a euchre game when all this is over with Mike, uh, Ellie, and Trey. <laughs> uh, 
we, it was like wild. decided on Twitter that Trey and I are going to kick Mike and Ellie's asses. <laughs> do they even? Are they? Do they even know about Euchre down in Ohio, dude? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Fucking uh, I played on New Year's Eve. I played with uh, Matt Rayo, and I can't remember if we were playing against Chance or Robert. But then it was Trey and I. And what's crazy there is uh, they do the one thing like they kind of cheat. Uh, I'm not gonna say the word because it sounds inappropriate. But that thing where you like play out a suit, they they uh, do that, uh, and like they try to like get it by without anybody noticing. And yeah. then, like, still get the points. Oh, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And like, we we play a euchre all the time here at the greenhouse, and like, we we we've never played that way. It's about having your strategy and playing it well. But like, so I and I I told I told Mike and them I was like, just so, you know, Trey and I cheat now, and that's and, and nice. also in Ohio, like they play with like for the scorecards, they play with like the fours and the sixes. Where here we play with the fives. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's the way I'm used to playing is with the fives. Yeah, so the regional shit, man, it's weird. Yeah. God, that that almost makes me want to play shows more than like the shows is just like playing euchre with music people. Oh uh, yeah, that... it's a blast. <laughs> uh, so J- Oh god. I was just gonna say Joe and Kevin, do you guys know how to play Euchre? No, I've never played. I think you guys tried to get me to play Euchre after um DIY prom at like three in the morning and I was like We've been up for so long. I'm I'm not learning how to play this game right now. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible attitude! <laughs> I know. Well, it was what? like it was like it was like you and Robert were the only people like conscious at that point. Hey, man, cocaine's a hell of a drug. What I recommend <laughs> is um, what I like to recommend is to tell people if they don't know how to play euchre and they really want to, because if you're trying to learn euchre on the spot. It can, especially when there's been drinking already happening, it's going to be a hard time. Um, yeah. You're better off downloading one of the phone apps where you can like play euchre with the, with the robots and like just to get the flow of the game and like understand like how it works and stuff. And that way, like when you like because when you're playing with people, real life humans for the first time, like everyone's just going to talk about the game as if you already know everything. That's been my experience. Like they just like say trump card or like they say all these like all these euchre specific terms that you're like what, and it can just be a real headache i mean that's trial by fire that's how i learned that's the michigan way but out of staters i recommend using a phone app yeah i mean i have the i I (laughs) even have the phone app just for when my roommates aren't home and i am and i'm want to play so i feel you dude yeah yeah (laughs) that's like my my airplane like car ride game of choice is just euchre on the uh on the phone joseph's game of choice is uh texas hold'em dude yeah not gonna hate on that dude love right love texas holding and recently my girlfriend has gotten me into like these riddles like she'll like you have to ask a million questions in order to figure out like one of them is like a man is is dead at a table with two hands up and there's a suit on the wall when and how did he die like shit like that and you have to ask a million questions like and i guess what i'm getting at is like other other things that you guys do when you're on tour and try to just like kill the time like from like town to town is it just like stories drinking <laughs> yeah well, a lot of drinking a lot of smoking weed uh the one cute thing that we always do is the very first drive when we're like leaving the grocery store in nashville and we're officially on our way to the first town we always listen to the scott pilgrim versus the world soundtrack dope 
but that's good shit right grocery there. store like as if we've like we stopped at the grocery store maybe on our first tour and everything <laughs> since then it's just been taco bell and mcdonald's yeah i gotcha well and and in my defense, kevin can't eat at talk at, at mcdonald's but kevin can eat at taco bell so that's why we always go to taco bell uh, okay vegan or vegetarian or- you still here kev Kev's gone. Uh, he's a, he's a, he has a gluten intolerance. Oh, uh, has a dairy intolerance. So like he's able to get he gets he has some very specific order he can get there that like gets his food groups and he lives. That's that's all that matters because there have been times where like I have not been really paying attention and he'll be like, "Hey, dude, I haven't eaten in like three days. Can I go get food now?" And I'd be like, <laughs> "I'd be like, dude, I'm not trying to starve you. Just like let me know before we get to this point." They say you have to stay hungry to make it in this business. <laughs> oh yeah, I see. That's very good very good yeah but uh otherwise i mean i don't know it's just a lot of listening to music taking naps being angry driving three hours in the wrong direction like a lot of that kind of shit oh fuck what's some like some before like i want to like get into the house show stuff for like the last last little like segment here but like i wanted to uh just ask like what are now that you have like more touring under your belt since the first time we had the podcast like what are some stuff that like any like horror stories from tour just like any just like moments that you're like this fucking is is wild or just like wild stories like horrible stories or just like anything comes to mind in that regard i don't think we've ever had anything like i guess oh here i do have one good one um we were playing a show in alabama and uh played at this really cool house for the record i didn't know this is no this does not talk shit on the florence scene this does not talk shit on what's house those are that is a great scene people who run that house have taken very good care of us multiple times it's a fun place like shout out to the florence scene everybody there rocks um except for one person and this one person (laughs) uh so we had just loaded out at the end of the gig and uh so we tour in my grandfather's 93 suburban uh, that I oh, yeah. it after he passed away. It's like okay, my baby. The van. <laughs> the, I call it the van, but it's really not. It's a truck. Um, and I, you know, that, that thing's my baby. Like my grandpa was my dad. And so like, it means a lot to me that I have his vehicle that he bought brand new from a dealership in 93. Um, and we had just loaded out at the end of the gig. We were standing like near the garage. You could see the truck from where we were standing. We were saying goodbye to a few homies there. And, um, as, uh, you know, I'm standing next to Joseph and Joseph all of a sudden kind of peeks and he's like, I think someone's in our van. And I look over there and I, I, the, the dome light is on, but I was like, I'm sure one of us just left, left the door open. It's fine. Like we're about to leave. And, you know, I continue talking to these people and Joseph, he's like a fucking German shepherd just staring at the suburban. And then all of a sudden he just goes, there's someone in our van. And he just starts running towards the truck. And, uh, and I look over it and you can see two heads inside the truck. And keep in mind, we have all of our gear in there, right? We're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So we go running up there. I run up to the driver door and open up the driver door and I look and, uh, there's a guy and a girl back there and a guy has his pants about halfway off. And uh, I open the door and I just say, yeah, how about you get the fuck out? And uh, they, uh, you know, they're like drunk and they go to like get out the like back passenger door. And Joseph comes around there and is like, like they're getting out and the guy just kind of goes, oh, sorry. And Joseph was like, dude, literally go fuck yourself. I, but like Joseph, you know, Joseph's kind of, he's a scary looking dude. He's really a teddy bear, but he's a scary looking dude. Yeah. And I was so ready for Joseph to like grab that dude by the front of his shirt and just beat his face in. Like, 
we were mad, dude. Cause like, I mean, you know, all, everything we had was in there and like just the amount of disrespect to like do something like that was just desecration obscene. But otherwise the only, like we've never had anything like really that fucked up happen at a show or anything. We've had interesting things happen on the drive. Like, uh, the same tour that I was puking and shitting my pants in the passenger seat. Um, that, that night at the show in Atlanta, Kevin accidentally ran over a tequila bottle with the truck. Um, and then uh, three or four days later, we were on our way from Tampa to Birmingham, and we got a flat tire in Georgia. <laughs> and But goddamn, it's volleyball pit crew, man. That thing was changed in like 15 minutes, and we were on our way. Nice. Yeah. You're the only band I've heard of besides Antigoth that has their own, that is their own pit crew. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Yeah. I, what can I say? Us and Antigoth, we're just not sponsored, so. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Joe. Joe from that band, like he's the like the van wizard. Like he's told me story like on their podcast. Like he was telling stories about just like different bands, like calling him while they're on the road, and like he'll like talk people through van issues just like on the phone and stuff. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't be telling me this because it's gonna happen at some point. Gonna need that help, dude. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we're not necessarily very uh, vehicle and mechanical savvy people. I I do my best. uh, to do what i feel like some bands are good about this but some bands aren't just going and getting the truck checked out before we go on a big run like how's everything look is everything running well yeah thing need replaced oh i should get a new battery okay well i have been having problems with that let's get a new battery like we've been fortunate not to have any big like mechanical failure on the road though like the flat tire you know a couple of us took high school auto shop so we were able to figure it out get that shit taken care of real quick but we're, we're lucky not to have you know been in situations that a lot of friends have where you know they they their shit breaks down and it costs fifteen hundred dollars to fix and they're stranded for a couple of days and you know we're, we're right. very lucky knock on wood that that won't happen again or it won't happen to us anytime soon but when, when we do i'll, I'll uh, hit you up for joe's number <laughs> yeah word <laughs> so um now I feel like we kind of exhausted that I wanted to talk about, like I talked to you over the, on the phone about, which by the way, like one of the few people that I know that still will call me every time is Kevin Rice. So props to you for that. Cause like, I feel like that's a lost art of like calling people on the phone, which I very much appreciate. Well, but, um, you just get shit done faster that way, man. I mean, yeah, and also absolutely. like it allows me to be a friend of yours and talk about what's going on in your life. Like, yeah, that's one of the big things about DIY that I feel like some people miss. It's like, sure, there's like mutual benefits to like knowing certain people, but also like these are my friends. Like I sincerely right. give a shit. I want to know it's you and I and, you know, and I want to be excited about your life. And so on the phone, not only can we handle whatever the show is or whatever we're trying to talk about and get organized, but also we can like find catch up you know what i mean and, yeah and it's very hard to lose that especially if you do a lot of booking and you're on facebook messenger you got a bunch of messages like it can be hard to have personal touch and to really be able to have an invested conversation rather than like okay here's show details oh yeah we got three bands on it let's get one more okay here's the start time Da-da-da. like you know what i mean yeah yeah no i, I very much uh, am appreciative of that and i feel the same way but so what we talked about was like i wanted to kind of do a kind of like a rundown of like what it's like to run a house venue. You know what I mean? Like, especially in a place like Kalamazoo where you said there's just like a ton of venues and there's like a, a, a venue district. It almost seems like, so like what are some of the, um, I guess like if someone is 
thinking about opening up their house to shows? Like, what are some just like do's and don'ts, like, or like things to know, or maybe things you didn't know until you were actually doing it that you're glad, like wisdom that you can impart on someone who might be looking to get into doing that type of thing. I'm so glad you're asking these questions because there are very strict guidelines that I live by with all of that. So the first thing to say is first talking about just Kalamazoo in general, the nice thing about uh, Kalamazoo and there are venues or there are scenes throughout the U S that I've seen like this too, that are great is that. So Kalamazoo has a website called D I T Kalamazoo, do it together. And um, all the houses communicate with each other. We have a Google calendar that is set up that we put all our shows on so we can see who is having shows on what nights. So if a touring band hits us up and says, Hey, can you book a show for us this night? We're like, we got seven shows that month. I don't know if we can take one on, but if we see that another house has a show going on that night, we also have a group chat on Facebook. You know, we can throw it out there and have that type of organization where, you know, the the houses are working together and the scene is able to be stronger, united as one, instead of just a bunch of scenes. Because I've been to scenes where it's like, this the people that you meet sometimes they're like oh yeah we've only ever gone to this house we've never been to any other houses where right. everyone goes to all the houses everybody knows everybody and it's because of a very communal working together approach um as far as so the greenhouse is the first house venue i have personally ran um and i i run it with uh the two people who help do, help me the most with booking are uh tucker harbaugh um, Gabe Clements and um, Mitchell Botting. Um, they're, they, they've all been invested in the Kalamazoo scene for quite a while. You know, when I moved back, I was a new kid on the block again because I hadn't been here in a long time. A lot, of, a lot of new bands, a lot of bands that had gone away, a lot of venues that didn't exist anymore. So, um, you know, they really helped out a shit ton with that. Um, kind of the rules that I follow, though, that are like very specific guidelines, I learned when I was booking, um, I booked at a, a place called garage bar in murfreesboro tennessee for like two months yep. and i was like there in uh house promoter you were there i i went to one of the shows one time um and the the uh i i that was pretty much like my trial run where i just learned a lot and fucked up a lot and then uh started booking at a place called hollywood which was some uh the people in the band rome zoetta it's the house that they run in nashville and uh they used to let me book a ton of shows there so i learned there and what i've kind of come to as like the general guidelines are one if you cannot pay a single touring band fifty dollars you have no business booking a show um those touring bands they thrive and well thrive isn't even the word to use they survive simply on like the money they make from those shows Volleyball's tour expenses on average daily when we're talking about like mostly gas expense and food expense is $60 a day on average. So I make sure that I can pay a band at least $50. If I, yeah. if, if the donations don't hit 50 bucks, I will take it out of my pocket. And if you're not in a situation where you are prepared to take that money out of your pocket, then you shouldn't be booking a show. Um, right. And, and it sounds kind of harsh to like have that mentality. And I totally like, 100 believe in respect for people like people to become as involved in the scene as they can book shows even if you don't run a house help book shows at somewhere else you know that touring band hits you up and is asking questions give them as much help as possible but yeah if you're running the show to be able to pay the band so that they can get from point a to point b and like actually 
be in good shape, you know? Um, also the, I, and kind of a general thing that most people run with is like a, a, ba- a bill, unless you're purposely putting on a fest or it's a specialty occasion, like a Halloween show, a bill should not go over five bands, but should not be under three or I Thank shouldn't even say bands. I should say, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Thank you. The thought process on that is simple. Just in the, the way that I used to see it as somebody who like, I, I didn't know if people were really going to come out to the shows or not, but the idea was thinking about if each band brings out 10 people and those 10 people each pay $5, then that's 50 bucks. You have three local bands and one touring band there. That's 150 bucks. If 150 bucks is able to be put together, you're able to give that touring band a hundred bucks and be like, you are fucked set. And then take those and then split the other 50 up amongst the other bands and be like, Hey, thanks for driving across town. And that's another important part of the mentality too. As a local musician, that my personal philosophy don't expect to be paid. The touring bands are who you're thinking. right. And the way that it comes back to you is if you are a good person and you talk to people and you're interested in their music, when you go on tour and you go play their town, you can say, Hey, can you help me set up a show? And it becomes this, I scratch your back, you scratch mine scenario. Yep. And then you just form a relationship where you know that you can go play there and they're going to take care of you. And you, and you know, you have some there and you have done things for them and you should never, it's not to expect something from them and if, and have no animosities toward them if they're not able to pull a show together. Cause who knows, maybe right. they just play shows. They may not know anything about booking itself, but still that like, I, that I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You're going to get paid when you're here. You're going to have a place to sleep. You're going to have a hot shower. If I can feed you, I'll do my fucking best. And right. like, you're going to be taken care of here. And I just hope that if I ever hit you up in the future and need some help, that you would do the same for me. And that, that's all it, that's DIY built on. Yep. And I think too, like one thing you said, like if you don't have, if you're not in a financial situation to be able to like pull that money out of your own pocket, then like you, if that sounds harsh to anyone that was listening and was thinking about it, but you're thinking like, well, then I don't want to, you know, I want to have shows, but I don't want to have to pay out of my own pocket. Then don't book touring bands. You can still book shows, book oh, local yeah. bands. You know what I mean? Just don't, don't book touring bands unless you're prepared to like, cause you're just, if you can't help them out, then let them try and book a show somewhere that can or at the very worst case scenario, let them know like there's no guarantee here whatsoever. So that at, at the very least, they know what they're ge- going into, you know. And, keep, and something to keep in mind too is that like there are many more ways to help a touring band than just booking them. You can be just it is just as important to like come to the show or get them in touch with someone that's going to book their show for them, and then come yeah. to the show and buy a T-shirt and chum it up with them and give them a little cash or something, you know. <laughs> Or just yeah. be supportive, share their shit on social media. Like the 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 po- the sheer power of the instant gratification <laughs> that is social media, and our and our just you know in- instantly being able to see anything, and everyone is able to share everything. Um, the sheer power of that, you know, when people spread what they think is honest and good art, like it has the opportunity to blow up. It, it we're in a time period now where things are although you still have like there's a huge control and monopoly on the music industry don't get me wrong like you know and people are worried about spotify streams and people are worried about all that kind of bullshit but also people recognize good art people recognize good bands and you giving them some amount of attention 
and being able to share it so they get more attention. Who knows? If they're looking for a record deal, maybe the right person sees it. That shit happens all the time. We have some yeah. queens that are getting to work with a really great producer in Nashville just because they happen to get booked on the right show and the guy happened to be at the show. And yeah, but you know, like the little opportunities can sometimes be the big opportunities and just the way that you support them. You just give what you can. And you know, if you're not someone who's a regular promoter and you want to be, talk to someone. Message me on Facebook if you want. I will be happy to help you in any way I can. Talk to Matt Rayo from the phones. Matt has been super hard to get like some shit together in his part of the scene in Chicago. And like we've talked a lot, you know, and he's he's uh, you know, asked me like some ways to go about certain situations and and kind of told me how things turned out after gigs sometimes. We talked about how that, you know, what ways to combat that. And sometimes, and I'm not saying I have the answer. Sometimes it's a learning experience for me too. Like, okay, so when yeah. these situations do happen, what do we do? But, but you know, to be as, as just absolutely as saturated in the scene as possible, go to as many shows as you can. And something important to remember is if you want to be a band that plays in the scene, you aren't required to go to shows necessarily. However, I think that the best way to look at DIY and communal scenes is you will get out of the scene what you put into the scene. Yeah. Yep. So if you're going to be if you are going to be involved and you are going to be a good person and you're going to do as much as you can for that community, that community is going to accept you and want you and people are going to be like, "Hey, I hear that you're trying to let's have your band on." And and then you get the next thing playing shows with people. You're honest to God friends and at that point it's no longer just like i'm a guy looking to play a show it's you honest like you are an honest member of that community you you matter in this degree one of the main supporters you know yep that's what this podcast was for me dude was like my way of because i'm you know not the best at going to shows and whether it's like laziness or i'm just like busy a lot or from exhausted from work but like I wanted to have something to where I could yeah. contribute to the scene, even if I couldn't go to a bunch of shows. But like, I found that once I started doing this podcast a bunch, it's like, it's, I, it's hard. I feel like there's been more local Michigan bands that have been on the podcast that haven't, you know? So it's like, I can go to shows now, almost like any show I hear of has at least one band that I've either interviewed or like know of from the podcast. So like finding ways to help out with the scene, even if it's not going to shows or even if it's not booking, like that increases your, incentive to go to shows because like now if i go it's like i'm gonna have friends there instead of like it being like this scary like awkward social um situation where i don't feel like i know anybody and i'm just trying to force my way in and now it's like cool it's it's just like a party you know like i wonder which one my friends are gonna be here like i I wonder who i'm gonna see here that i know exactly exactly it's community at that point and i remember when uh i'm when i met you at Bloodfest, you know and we were talking about music and what we're doing and it was before I ever got really into booking and stuff like that. You know, I, I kind of not long after that started to get into it, but I remember, you, you know, you're talking, you're like, yeah, I play music. I got this band. I'm trying to do these things. And I don't know. And you, you know, you try to run to the house venue for, and you know, but that was you like getting your foot in the door with things. And then you're doing this podcast. And, and I, you know, I, I can, I, and I can tell from when I see shows get posted or I see where you've been or, or who's doing what, like I, I see the people that you've met, the circles of people that you run in. And like, there's very much a very real respect there for you because you are putting into the scene. You are contributing in a way that is not just, not just for personal glorification either. You have, 
touring, you have a platform that touring bands and local bands are able to come on and chat and they're able to talk about what. And also, you, it's much more enjoyable. I know Joseph's drinking now. I've been sigs ate some mcdonald's and drank a beer it's relaxed we're able to <laughs> chat and you know and also to get to hear my friends who i've been on tour with or, or who like i've seen on tour before or been on tour with or hung out with and get to hear them and their stories you know this in itself <laughs> creates a community of people yeah that, dude you know you might who knows maybe you didn't meet someone but then you go see them at a show and they're like oh i'm so-and-so and oh I heard your interview on the podcast and next thing you know, they have, a, they have a million things to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I didn't even so, think about it in that sense. It's in forms of like creating its own community, but like it kind of is dude. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great it, way. That makes me very happy to hear. That. No, it absolutely is. And also I wanted to say, I think it's really, really great. The, uh, like the festivals that you guys have done, uh, you know, you did, uh, uh, what was the last one you did in BG? Oh, it was Swordfest. Swordfest, yeah. And then, uh, like, there was the, uh, what was the, you did the, the other the one, too. EP release show the, with Origami Angel. Um, yeah, it was Origami in a Daydream Parkway in Columbia Equipment. Um, it yeah. felt like a fucking festival, but because it was just, like, such a fucking stacked bill, and there's so many people. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and then the Minecraft thing, but it wasn't, it wasn't like down in, you know, it was the Minecraft Coachella. I did, I didn't cover that, but like I, I interviewed like the Connor and Trey and Ali, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. About that. But, but, you know, being present in that way, like, yeah, that, that, that matters to me. Like you, and, and, you know, also being able to talk to people who might not be in bands, but might be involved in the scene and, and, you know, they can come and talk to you on the mic. You know, I remember seeing you at Swordfest and talking with you for a minute. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like the, the community that you're able to build with this. There's a lot of power in that, man. So, yeah, just yeah, I guess all I'm trying to say is props, props to y'all. <laughs> and, props I mean, to, and I'm sorry, Benny, I haven't gotten to, to hear as much about what you've done in here and i'm sorry that i'm kind of having my bromance with brian right now but to both of you <laughs> sincerely like you have you have a you got it's a great it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to have this podcast and and turn it into what it has become you know i had no idea what it was going to become when you started it i was very hopeful and optimistic but i had no idea and now you know you've just had so many wonderful great bands and, and some very popular big names um on too and it's just really really sick um uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that before I, you know, start orgasming because how excited I am. <laughs> you know, it's just it's really, really wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, I honestly really, really appreciate it, and this kind of leads me into like this little anecdote. Like, well, first of all, it's it's grown beyond what I. I mean, I well, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't hope that it would it would feel like this at some point, but it's. So I, it's not that I expected it, but I was really hoping and it's been, it's just awesome to see that like it's working the way that I was hoping it would, um, in terms of creating all that stuff that you basically just got done mentioning. And, you know, it's to the point where I felt like I needed, it was too much for me. Like I having Benny has kind of like rejuvenated my sense of, uh, <laughs> enth enthusiasm towards it. And, and just like, it feels like I'm not overworked anymore because I was kind of spreading myself thin and like having a co-host like really makes it easier for me to like stay engaged with these episodes because like sometimes i've it's got to the point where i'm interviewing so many people that it's hard the episodes can bleed together you know yeah oh sure but, sure but i i got a, an email from uh this band the other day that that said like 
hey, you know, I can't remember the name of the band, um, but they they had said that like they were a delivery driver and like they've been they recently discovered the podcast like two months ago and the it's one of the few things that has gotten them through like this quarantine as a delivery driver is listening to the podcast like listening to all the episodes oh, and, I was shit. Like, and i was just like holy shit dude like that so, yeah, like dude. if you're listening if whoever sent me that like i i responded to the email well i just don't remember exactly what it was but like if, if you're listening to this like seriously that meant a lot to me and like I, it felt really fucking awesome to, to yeah see that, that fucking like, rules a, that is yeah, cool dude fun. And you know that's a that's a big thing to remember when you become when when you get to a point where you are recognized in your scene or or furthermore, but it, it, in a way that like you have are, are recognized and have respect, um, and to know that you have the ability to like create a very real impact. Um, you know th- that guy is, was telling you, you know, thank you so much. This has been helping me get through this. I had a um, girl that uh we had met at a couple shows on one run um who really really enjoyed music and uh had had commented on my postman like hey like your music has been helping me get through like this shit like it's you know we were the old stoner punk band so it's bringing some fun into the day kind of thing you know and remembering that like even though like it can seem silly or they have the mentality of how do i climb up the ladder to become some big band but the idea being that like there are people that what you do matters to them, even if it's a small number and the small impacts it can have, uh, you know, going to playing and playing in a, and there's playing to no one. And there's a dude. And then the next time you go to that show, you see him again. He's like, Hey, I brought my five friends because I think you guys are great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's somebody who sincerely enjoys what you're doing. And to like, re- remember to stay humble in the fact that those people like, they are what holds you up and to like what they have to say and their feelings like matter sincerely and to be as engaged with those people because they are literally what it, what they are the support that lets you function. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to say it. <laughs> no, I it hundred percent dude made sense to me. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I'm going to, put this out i i think i'm gonna wrap it up here i mean i i love talking to you mr kevin and the rest of volleyball thanks for coming on um dude i cannot wait till i'll hang out again benny like we need to fucking chill this week some, at some point um six feet apart yeah. on them face masks yeah i know <laughs> i have so many dude i have so many masks my girlfriend's aunt makes masks so i have like masks with yoga dogs and i have like little bunny rabbits and flowers on masks like, <laughs> i have That's so awesome. many good masks <laughs> so i started the collection yeah it's it's they're good to have um but yeah dude so i'm i'm really looking forward to this new uh volleyball and if this our episodes right now are on at least like a month month and a half like backlog before we're releasing yeah. them. so if, if you have like a single if you have like any tunes that you want me to include in the episode like in the next month if you want to just email it to me i'm happy to do that now nah, we can just put it out as is no, oh, no fuck yeah. but I'm, i might be able to uh, we might have something done with austin by then i can i can uh, reach out and see also do you mind Ooh. we were talking about booking a little earlier uh do you mind yeah. if i touch one more topic before oh for up? sure dude uh and this is for if there's anyone who like listens to this that wants to do the touring thing and figure out like how to do it because when i when i first did it i was when i first started i was super lost in like messaging people who i know knew to chit and was trying to like figure it out and now we kind of have a system in place that seems to work 
Um, and so just some like general rules to follow if, if you want, if you're, you know, starting a band and you want to start touring and doing this thing, um, the, the things that'll help you be successful. And, you know, the first rule is like one, no touring band first tour comes back in the black. You will probably come back in the red. So be prepared for that. But two, some things that kind of help with that a little bit more financially is one, are we always book our shows? Um, so that we try to not drive any more than five hours. Three to five hours is the usual that we hit from town to town. Yeah. And it, it makes what we're doing more sustainable. It keeps us from being like fucking exhausted or being really worried about like being late to a show. Um, and also like it's more fuel efficient and stuff, you know. So in your routing, think about those things. Uh, anyone who doesn't know, DIY tour postings is an absolutely wonderful uh, tool yep. to use for booking tours. If you don't know people, a lot of scenes, there's a search engine within the Facebook page. It is a private page. You have to, fight. You have to uh, pretty much apply to be a part of it, jo to join the page. But, it, you know, answer the questions, you get on there. Um, yeah. And, and you can use the search engine to look up, like, say you want a book show in Indianapolis, look up Indianapolis venues. And then you'll find somebody who had posted about it and there'll be a million comments off their post about different bands and different venues and different hit up and try to get the help on. Um, another important rule that I li live with, it's kind of, I, I guess we should call these all the five rules. Um, I try to start booking a tour five months in advance. And if I don't have at least a really good lead on all the shows by the three month mark, then that's when you're in oh shit mode and you need to organize it because if you're trying to book things only two months or one month in advance, you the likelihood of the show coming together, getting all the bands on, getting you know a venue on hold is a lot less likely. But if you reach out earlier than that five month mark, you know a lot of venues they'll be like, I don't know what we're doing at that time. Who knows? Some big names might hit us up or whatever, so they might just turn you down outright and say hit yeah. us up or. And, and the same for bands, you know, bands don't know what opportunities are coming their way. But that three to five month pocket is a good time when bands are scheduling, because most bands do schedule about three months out. So you're able to actually get things more solidified. It's a lot less stressful. Um, and then also, like some people, and there's lots of bands that do this, they especially on the um, They like to eat whatever, and they're okay with getting hotel room. Volleyball has never, ever stayed at a hotel. We also, <laughs> we also have never slept in the van. Um, the people that you meet from these communities, like, it's so important um, to, like, really engage and be close with them and do your due diligence to take care of them when they're in your town. Um, yep. And when you go through, like, and hit the, as you get shows confirmed, hit up the friends or, or ask, ask the promoter. If you don't know anyone, ask the promoter if they know anyone that will let you crash at their house. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, having a roof over your head, even if you're sleeping on a floor, having a roof over your head is such a wonderful luxury and, and it's like a morale <laughs> booster, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one time I have, I slept in a vehicle and it was with Seaholm on their last run right before all the Corona shit happened. Um, and we slept in the car, and it was the worst fucking night of my life. I was stoned as shit, too. Yeah, in the flex. It was, we were at a campground. Camp oh, God. And it was just... It, don't get me wrong, it was a fun night, but man, sleeping in that sucked. Um, fucking Pat Ray. Yeah, wild. <laughs> but, uh, and another cool thing that Volleyball started to do about after we kind of learned we were going to be sleeping on the floor, we have a couple air mattresses. 
and you know, so blow up the air mattress. No one's truly sleeping on the floor at that point. Um, those are just kind of the general things that I follow. And also remember when you're booking shows that no one owes you anything and yep. you cannot have any animosities towards people. Also, under this goes both ways for a lot. Some promoters get like super busy. This happens to me a lot. Um, and so their Facebook app will just be filled, get filled with messages so quick. And, you know, I, like I said, I, we don't, I don't take any money from the shows I don't off of any show I ever book. So that means that I am working full time. And sometimes it can be hard to just give all of your attention to the inbox. Um, yeah. It is still, yeah. now I also follow the rule that if I say yes to a show, that show is going to happen. I'm going to pull it together somehow and you're going to get paid and you're going to have a place. If I say yes, it means I'm taking care of you. But the, just understand that if it takes some time for promoters to get back to you, or if it takes, you know, it, that's why you need the three to five months to put it together so that every, all the pieces can fit together and understanding that there's, you know, our house run does like five shows a month. That's kind of what we average is about five shows a month here at the house. Um, yeah. That's five shows, each that has four bands, each that needs flyers, event pages, you know, the whole nine yards outside of whatever your regular life is. So just have patience. It's cool to follow. It's always cool to follow up with people. Just don't make them feel super pressured. You know, I usually, if I throw out a message and somebody says that they're going to help me out, I'll usually at least wait two or three weeks before I hit them up again. And I'll just simply say, Hey, just checking up where we at. You know what I mean? And just yeah. no, no pressure. Cause understand that they have no obligation. To help you. They're doing it out of a love for DIY and community. Yeah. And I will, uh, I, been pretty fortunate with people like hitting us up to be on the podcast haven't had like if any issues with it but that's like a general good rule of thumb too for like bands who want to come on the podcast is to hit me up with it you know like three months in advance is great because i'm usually booked one to two months out and if i don't respond again <laughs> wait wait a solid two weeks after my initial response just because there is so much going on and like i think that's just a good rule of thumb for diy in general is just like yeah there's so many moving parts, especially with people like that are as connected or like have, have as much on our plate. You know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. trying to like balance, like helping out your friends, helping out strangers, multiple projects. And half the time, these people more than half the time, people doing it are in their own bands. Like I'm in two bands. You're in two bands. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he's got a band, Benny's playing with other bands. It's like all these people are, trying to somehow help everybody out and be a fucking mother Teresa's and then also do their, follow their passion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there's so much going on, but that's one of the things that I love about being in this community because there's so many people that are so amazingly driven that it's like, it's almost a rare form of, of drive that you don't, that I haven't really seen in other areas. Or if I do see it in other areas, like in my, my actual like big boy career, quote unquote, it's, the people that have like the type of drive that I see with like certain people in DIY are the ones that are really fucking killing it in the other areas yeah. of, of the business world that from what I've seen. So it's pretty awesome to, to see that translate into the, the outcasts, if you will, and to see people like musicians or like the, uh, the so-called outcasts or like the so-called, you know, whatever you want to call them. It's like the, the underdogs having like the, the level of drive this is my ode to the DIY community, I suppose. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. And that's the thing. Like anyone can play in a band. Anyone can make art. Like art is, a, is, you know, 
I always fuck up whether it's the word objective or subjective. It's the one weird English problem I have. But, um, you know, art is in that. Subjective. And, and, and people are making it out of, thank you, subjective. People make it out of emotion and anyone can, who has something to create, make it. And someone will be able to appreciate it that is understanding the emotion you're putting into it. And, you know, anyone can do it and, and people build it from nothing. Shout out to Connor Kincaid, uh, Summit Shack, and everybody who helps run the Check puts on does great things has great bands shout out david kennedy team of course does so much good work in florida same as uh tyler fieldhouse from guilt um michael carter from nashville scene he booked my very first show been a great mentor and brother to time um and also even houses that have bands that don't do a whole lot but still do great things like uh uh brad hudson mess out in akron ohio you know shout out to all those people create yeah. these wonderful wonderful communities and and are re- honest and have no no selfish yeah yeah it's it's been a real blessing <laughs> honestly it's been a really fucking cool surreal uh experience to like meet so many of these people you know and i just keep meeting more and more and more and it's just like the list grows the cup overfloweth as they say yeah um, yeah for sure um but all right dude i think i'm i'm good if you got any other questions benny feel free i'm uh pretty much set on my end no i'm all good everything i was curious about was all handled <laughs> talked about well, yeah anything from, anything from you joseph any closing comments oh just thank you benny thank you brian appreciate you guys yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, you as well. Oh, Kevin, you're back, dude. I didn't even know you were I've, back. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been back, son. I what? wrangled, <laughs> I wrangled an unruly hound and a beagle on pod. Wow! Oh, wow! Crazy. <laughs> I, uh, I was running down my street barefoot, just on mute, just <laughs> carrying a small beagle and chasing after a large hound. He wa- he wasn't even on the podcast. He was just listening podcast yeah i was, I was <laughs> enjoying the podcast while uh chasing a dog down my stream oh, i want to see the stream of that that's pretty <laughs> awesome that's awesome someone is actually listening to the podcast while it was still recording that's yeah it's, it's sort of it's, it's weird and meta yeah he got the yeah 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 <laughs> fuck yeah you know what technically anyone who's been on the discord stream could do that and i wouldn't really know uh, cause like, I don't kick people off the server, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you, now that you guys are on, like if I'm recording you, you could like set your notifications, like to know when other people are joining in and like, oh, you could bro, I'm about to just, fucking be, like, just hop on the live pod anytime. Yeah. You could, <laughs> I mean, if you want to get real anarchist, you could totally fuck up some shit. And I, I remember know. once, uh, <laughs> speaking of shit like that, I was recording an episode of, uh, no one cares about your band. And we were talking about Glee, and all of a sudden, like me and Ellie Hart were just talking about Glee for like an hour, and all of a sudden, the drummer from Glass Beach just hops, hops on and is like, I heard you guys talking about Glee, and I'm sorry, but I had to jump on so I could talk about it too. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. That's incredible. <laughs> also, yeah, uh, something really important to say uh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. With yeah, everything, absolutely. With everything going on, stay safe. If you're yeah. protesting out there. Yeah. No, we are 100% on board with that shit, dude. Fight yeah. the power and uh, also stay safe. Solid freaking darity is where it's, mm-hmm. where it's at. Mm-hmm. But 
All right. Well, uh, you guys take it easy. Like I said, you know, feel free to send me some music if you if anything yeah. comes up in the next next month before this is out. I'll I'll give you a, a reminder before I'm actually yeah. going to release this. Give you a chance. And if but. you guys have like plugs later before the episode is out, you can just send them our way, and we'll record something, and tag it at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, follow Kevin's OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's dropping that. soon. <laughs> we are very, very big proponents of any OnlyFans accounts. And any DIY OnlyFans, we're all about that. So, um, <laughs> Benny was actually talking about starting a side podcast just where we break down the OnlyFans accounts of DIY musicians. So, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah I, I, please that. do that. I will, I will, <laughs> yeah, no, that podcast. <laughs> the angle of this photo is really nice. Cute succulent in the background. Really, it's really oh well scared. Dude, I got, I got a lot, there's a lot of birds in this house. There's gonna be some artsy photos. There's oh, a lot to break down. I just put up like uh, these shelves from fucking Urban Outfitters because I'm a hipster, and they're just like succulents and candles. <laughs> so the fact that you said that, that Brian's really been on Pinterest. It. Yep, that that tickled me, dude. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this recording before it completely goes off the rails. And that's it. That is another episode of Invite the Neighbors. If this was your first time listening, welcome. Appreciate it very much. And if you listen to every episode, thank you very much. You're the shit. Don't know why you like this podcast so much. Actually, you know what? I do. Because I like this podcast. I get it. Just because not everyone gets it. I get it. So if you're listening to every episode of this podcast, I get it. I get it, dude. Um, But no, for real, I'm just kidding around. It means a lot. Um... Share the podcast, you know, let, let's build this platform. Let's make it so when bands come on, you know, they're being heard. Let's make that a goal, you know, like I want this to be like a movement where like there's no band is too small type thing. Like let's let's give a voice to these little guys or like the bands that aren't necessarily popular, you know, let's 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 give them a platform here. So if you believe in that, help us share this thing. Anyways, thanks for listening. Hopefully you guys are staying safe out there and um, until next time.